Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. The title for today is Anyone Can Have Superpowers. Anyone can have superpowers, Joshua 10, 9 to 15. Did you ever wish you had superpowers? Yeah. What, who's your favorite superhero? It's Big Nail now, Marvel and all the different movies they're making. If you could be one superhero, who would it be? Wonder Woman. <laughs> Wonder Woman. You wish. Anyway, <laughs> there's always a comic in every, you know. And they always sit up at the front. You notice that? Uh, my favorite Spider-Man. I always love Spider-Man, you know, and, and so I love all these Spider-Man remakes. That was always my favorite. Um, but the, the, the thing is, for us, we're going to see today, no matter what we're facing, we can have super power. Not superhero power, but supernatural power. If we're in a, facing a trial, we're facing a temptation, we're facing a crisis in our life, we can have that supernatural strength, which is what this passage is all about today. Now, did anybody experience a crisis last week? <laughs> today? I know you have. I, don't, don't have to put your hands up. I already know. You know we, we've all had many, right? Many, many. And which is why I preached last week, Crisis Survival 101, right? God knows when he's going to pour out the crises, you know. And uh, so what, how did we do with our three Ps of Crisis Survival? If you weren't here, make sure you get the CD or I'll go on the podcast, YouTube. How did we do? The first P, remember? Prayer. We, we call on our Joshua, Jesus, all right? Joshua in the, in the book of Joshua is a picture of Jesus, completely a picture of him. Their spiritual battles are, are, their physical battles are a picture of our spiritual battles that we're facing constantly. So the first one was prayer. Then it was promptness. And it's really persevering. Persevering and waiting for God to move. Hoping, hoping that God, holding on to the hope that he's going to move. And we talked about how God is always on time. He's not on our time, but he's always on time, right? We talked about that. And then the promises. Which promise did you grab a hold of? Which one did you memorize and hang on to and claim this week? And that's the whole key, is, is hanging on, praying and, and persevering and holding on to the promises that God has given us. And we'll talk a lot more about that as we go. We've been talking about the Gibeonites and, and the Israelites and how they're under attack now. They're under attack and we talked about how that's a picture of our Christian life, how we face spiritual attacks. It's all about us, right? Same picture. It's, our lives are fulfilling this. And we talked about the three Ps, but the fourth vital P we're going to hit today, which you probably already guessed, is power. Okay? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the worship that has helped us refocus this morning and take our eyes off of our crises and put them on Jesus. And Lord, you know what each one of us is facing. Many, many struggles in our lives. It's, if we're breathing, we're struggling, and we know that. And, and I'm sure there's people here today that are at, at the edge of losing their hope. We pray that your word today would give us hope to keep on praying and keep on persevering and keep on gr- taking hold of the promises that you've given us. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Joshua 10. Joshua 10, starting with verse 9. 
After an all-night march from Gilgal, Joshua took them by surprise. Now they're coming to rescue the Gibeonites. Remember, they're coming to rescue them, and Joshua marches all night. He's coming to rescue them uh, from the, the attacks, the five kings. The Lord threw them into confusion before Israel, who defeated them in a great victory at Gibeon. Israel pursued them along the road going up to Beth Horon and cut them down all the way to Azekah and Makeda. As they fled before Israel on the road down from Beth Horon to Azekah, the Lord hurled large hailstones down on them from the sky, and more of them died from the hailstones than were killed by the swords of the Israelites. On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, O sun, stand still over Gibeon, O moon, over the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the nation avenged itself on its enemies. As it is written in the book of Jashar, the sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. There has never been a day like it before or since. A day when the Lord listened to a man. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. Then Joshua returned with all Israel to the camp at Gilgal. And we see the fourth P here, which is God's power. God's power. When God, and this is the key here, we want, after last week, put them together. When God's purpose is completed in our life, his purpose for what we're going through is completed. We have prayed, we have persevered, we have taken hold of the promises and, 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 and grown, our faith has grown through them, which was the whole point of our trials which is the whole point of spiritual attacks, which is the whole point growing pains. It's all about growing pains. When that happens, our faith is grown. The growing pains have happened. God moves powerfully. He moves powerfully. And, and this is a physical picture. What happened today is a physical picture of a spiritual reality in our life. It's all about their battles are physical, but ours are spiritual. It's all, they're knocking down strongholds, we're defeating spiritual strongholds. They're fighting the enemy, we're fighting our spiritual enemies. It's all a picture. They call on Joshua, we call on Jesus. Same exact word. One's Hebrew, one is Greek. God saves. And, the, and God's power is shown in three ways here. The first one is in verse 10. Where it says, the Lord threw them into confusion before Israel, who defeated them in a great victory at Gibeon. God sends confusion. God plays mind games with these guys. He messes with their heads. Sometimes our enemies, whether we have physical enemies or spiritual enemies, sometimes they make incredible blunders. You ever notice that? Our enemies just do the dumbest, dumbest things. And they, they end up defeated by what they've done. And, and, and many times I think, like, how could they do such a dumb thing? How could they do that? But we know why, because God confuses them. You read the Bible over and over again, and we see this same thing over and over again, that where, where God will, will take the enemies of his people and cause confusion, and they'll do the dumbest things. It's still happening today. Look at the spiritual battles in our country. Read the news. Connect the dots. There's a lot of spiritual battles. And the, the, the ones who are, who are on the wrong side of the spiritual battles make dumb, do dumb thing after dumb thing after dumb thing. Because God confuses them. We saw it with our church when we first started this church. Some of you were here. 
You guys were here, remember? Remember, we get a lot of attacks. There was a lot of craziness. We had policemen in the services, remember, for three months. You know, we became very close with the policemen. And uh, the, there were many, many attacks. And yet, our enemies, we saw it time and time again. Our enemies made mistake after mistake after mistake. And it was crazy. And I remember one time a newspaper reporter talking to me and saying, how do you, how do you, we see how the other side is acting and we see how your side is acting, and we're just impressed. How do you control your people like that? Huh? <laughs> With an iron fist, yeah. <laughs> they, were, they were like, how do you do that? How do you get them to do that? And I go, I'm not doing anything. It's God. It's God's power and the Holy Spirit working. And the little reporter's like, what are you doing? They're talking another language. I kind of didn't know what I was talking about. But, but it was, I said, God's doing it. And she goes, and, she, and I remember saying, those people on the other side who are attacking you, they're making themselves look pretty foolish. They look like idiots, actually. And, and, but your people keep responding in such a positive way. I go, and I knew what it was. God was sowing that confusion and, and giving us the Spirit's ability to turn it for good and to reach people that, that saw the difference. And, and they realized that we had something that they wanted. It was the love of Jesus Christ that they saw. And God, that's what he does. He turns each attack for our good, for our good. And even when people think they have us, many times they thought they had us. And all the time, God has them right where he wants them. The whole time. Confusion. The second way that God shows his power, verse 11, as they fled before Israel... The Lord hurled large hailstones down on them from the sky, and more of them died from hailstones that were killed by the swords of the Israelites. Hailstones, bombs away. <laughs> Have you ever been in a bad hailstorm? It's pretty scary, isn't it? Have you ever been in a, in a house? I remember being in the barn, the, the 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 metal roofing, and it hits the roof. And it's like sounds like machine guns, you know. And, or have you been in your car? And is there some? Pretty big hailstones. They hit the windshield. It's very, very scary. Well, imagine bowling balls. That's what was coming down. Huge hailstones were coming down. And more died from the hailstones than by the swords. Just like with us. We fight. We fight spiritually, right? We're fighting our spiritual battles. But, but the real issue, it's all God's power. We take up the sword of the Spirit to fight our spiritual battles, right? We, the word of God, sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We take it up, but it's all God's power. He, it's His power. We have to fight, but it's His power that's working. And this is also a prophetic warning. Don't mess with God's people. The Gibeonites were brand new converts. They just turned to the, the one true God. They're brand new converts. You would call, today, you call them baby Christians. The moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, the moment you say, God, I believe Jesus died for my sins. I, I put my faith in him to forgive my sins. I put my faith in him to have a relationship with you, God. I give my life to Jesus. The moment you do that, the Bible says you become a baby, a baby Christian. You're born again. Just like when we were born the first time, we were a little baby, we grew up. We are born spiritually. And, and some of us have been Christians for a long time. We're, we're, some of you are toddlers. Some of you are you know, getting up there in age and, and spiritually. But, but every one of us starts out as a baby Christian. And God looks out for his children and he looks out for his babies. 
You see it in the scripture time and time again. You don't mess with God's children. I grew up on a farm, as most of you know, and, and boy, we learned that lesson early. You don't mess with the babies. You know, if, you, if, 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 a, if a, a, a pig had baby piglets there, you had to watch out. Those, those mother pigs will rip you up and they could kill. They kill they've killed people. You don't matter. You've got to be really careful. Cows, I remember going out in the pasture and, and trying to bring the little calves up, and the mother cow was out there with the, the, the cows charging us, and we're dodging them and running around. And, and then even, at, up at the, even up at the farm, we'd get these little calves. Remember, get the little calves. And the mothers trusted us pretty well. By the, by the time I was a teenager, we had, had pretty calm cows. And, uh, and, but the mothers would trust us, but, you know, but boy, if the dog walked up, I'm sitting there taking care of this little baby calf that was just born. If a dog walked up, whoo, and these dogs were nice. They weren't going to hurt the baby calf, but the cow, cow went berserk. They would go berserk, and I'd have to jump out of there because the cow would go right after those dogs. They, they were very protective, and that's what we are seeing here. God is protective of his children, very, very protective. And this isn't the first time that God used hell to protect his children, is it? Not too long before this, what did he do? Okay, the river. He parted the river, right? But how about hell? He did a lot of things to protect them. River, all kinds of things. But how about hell? Where did we see that? Not we, but reading your Bible, backing up to the Exodus. Remember when they were slaves in Egypt and God's going to deliver them? And he used hell there. In fact, in Exodus 9, it's one of the ten plagues. Exodus 9, verse 13. I'll pick it up. Listen to this. Then the Lord said to Moses, get up early in the morning, confront Pharaoh and say to them, this is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews says, let my people go so that they may worship me. Or this time I will send the full force of my plagues against you and against your officials and your people so that you may know that there is no one like me in all the earth. For by now I could have stretched out my hand and struck you and your people with a plague that would have wiped you off the earth. But I have raised you up for this very purpose that I might show you my power and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. You still set yourself against my people and will not let them go. Therefore, at this time tomorrow, I will send the worst hailstorm that has ever fallen on Egypt from the day it was founded till now. Give an order now to bring out your livestock and everything you have in the field to take a place of shelter, because the hail will fall on every man and animal that has not been brought in and is still out in the field, and they will die. Those officials of Pharaoh who feared the word of the Lord hurried to bring their slaves and their livestock inside, but those who ignored the word of the Lord left their slaves and livestock in the field. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward the sky so that the hail will fall all over Egypt, on men and animals, and on everything growing in the fields of Egypt. When Moses stretched out his staff toward the sky, the Lord set thunder and hail and lightning flashed down to the ground. So the Lord rained hail on the land of Egypt. Hail fell and lightning flashed back and forth. It was the worst storm in all the land of Egypt since it had become a nation. Throughout Egypt, hail struck everything in the fields, both men and animals. It beat down Everything growing in the fields and stripped every tree. The only place it did not hail was the land of Goshen where the Israelites were. Woo. That wasn't the first time God used hail in the book of Joshua. We see it back in Exodus. And it won't be the last time he uses hail to judge those who hurt his children. It's not the last time. In fact, in the book of Revelation... 
First, I'm going to read in Revelation 6, verse 9. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained. They called out in a loud voice, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? Then each of them was given a white robe, and they were told to wait a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and brothers who were to be killed as they had been was completed. When that number is complete, and we're seeing this fulfilled before our very eyes, it's estimated that last year a million Christians were killed for their faith. It's increasing every year. I know we don't read about it in our media, but it's a fact. If you get Voice of the Martyrs or Open Door Ministries, you know what I'm talking about. A million Christians were killed for their faith. This is being fulfilled in our very, very time, what I just read. And yet God, it looks like, oh, what's, it's so bad that it's happening to Christians, but yet God... will hold people accountable. He's in control. He's got a purpose. And he's going to act just like we saw in Joshua, just like we saw in Exodus. In Revelation 16, verse 17, it says this. The seventh, we're talking about the bowls of God's wrath, the seven bowls. And the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and out of the temple came a loud voice from the throne saying, It is done. Then there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and a severe earthquake. No earthquake like it has ever occurred since man has been on earth. So tremendous was the quake. The great city split into three parts, and the cities of the nations collapsed. God remembered Babylon the great and gave her the cup filled with the wine of the fury of his wrath. Every island fled away, and the mountains could not be found. From the sky, huge hailstones of about a hundred pounds each fell upon men and they cursed God on account of the plague of hell because the plague was so terrible. No matter what happens to us, God, God's power will prevail in the end. His purpose was, will be fulfilled. And the third way the power is shown in addition to the confusion and the hail and Joshua 10, back to Joshua 10, the third way that it's shown, verses 12 to 13, on the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, O sun, stand still over Gibeon, O moon, over the valley of Ajalon. And the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the nation avenged itself on its enemies. The, 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 the sun stops. Joshua wanted to finish this battle. He wanted to wipe out the Amorites. He wanted to keep up his momentum, and they couldn't do that in the dark. And so he prayed to God to stop the sun. Now, some people find this hard to believe. Even Christians I've talked to, it's pretty hard to believe. But listen, my question is this. If God can create the sun and create the moon, what's the big deal? To God, it's like setting the clock back an hour. <laughs> Which I'm guessing most of you did last night. 
like setting the clock back there. It's no big deal. And God has a specific purpose here. The Amorites, guess who one of their main gods, they worshiped lots of idols, but guess who one of their main gods was? The sun. They worshiped the sun. And just like uh, in Egypt, you know, when God would, the plagues, many of the plagues were mocking the gods of Egypt. I don't know if you know that. God has a sense of humor in his judgment, too. The, 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 the Egyptians worship frogs. Did you know that? Worship frogs. And so what does God say? You, you want to worship frogs? There's a zillion of them. They'll be in your breakfast cereal. You know, they'll be everywhere. And this is what he does. He uses one of the, the main objects of their worship to defeat them the sun who they worship let them down because why because it wouldn't go down he let it let them down because it wouldn't go down it couldn't because jehovah was in control there's no sun god it's a lie jehovah is in control and once again we have a prophetic picture again all these you can connect them all throughout the bible once again we have a prophetic picture the sun being affected for God's judgment in Revelation 6. Back to Revelation 6 where it says in verse 12. I watched as he opened the sixth seal. There was a great earthquake. The sun turned black like sackcloth made of goat hair. The whole moon turned blood red. And the stars in the sky fell to the earth as late figs dropped from a fig tree when shaken by a strong wind. The sky receded like a scroll rolling up and every mountain and island was removed from its place. We see that God, this is a, once again a prophetic picture of what God's going to be doing with the sun and the moon. God's power. God's power. God moved in response to the Gibeonite and Israel's prayer. Remember they prayed? Their perseverance, waiting for the, the, the perfect timing and holding on to the promises. Remember that, the prayer, the perseverance and holding on to the promises. And that's, that's how God grew their faith. That's how God grows our faith. We're in a tight spot. And hopefully what do we do? We turn to him and we grow through that. And then he shows his power on our behalf. He delivers us, which then builds our faith even more. And usually the mess, the tight spot that we're in, usually, not always, but usually it's a mess of our own making, isn't it? (laughs) I know my mess. Usually my tight spots I, I create. It's a mess of our own making. Israel created this mess. They were deceived, remember? They were deceived, deceived by the Gibeonites, deceived by sin, but God brought good out of it. He brought them to God. We know the good part of it too. But they were deceived by sin, and yet God brought so many positives out of it. The Gibeonites became followers of God, but he brings so many positives. But it was after, now this is important, after they learned from their mistakes, after they turned to him in total dependence, God moved and he brought something good out of it. And the same is true of us. I'm going to connect the dots as we get ready for communion here. The same is true. We mess up. Some of you, well, maybe not everybody here messed up, but you might know somebody who's messed up. We mess up. We sin. We have these sin struggles. We make mistakes. We're very vulnerable. We mess up. And then what happens? Satan comes along and he accuses us. And he attacks us, Right? But in the midst of that, God turns it for our good. He works it for our good. That's what he does. Second uh, Corinthians 12. I hope you fold the page on this one. Hang on to this one. Second Corinthians 12, verse 
start, I'll start with verse 7, where it says, To keep me from being conceited, this is the Apostle Paul talking, to keep me from being conceited because of these surpassing great revelations, there, were given to me, there was given to me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. You ever do that? God, take this away. Take it away. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Wow. His power carries us. And it's shown in our weakness. We want to get rid of our weaknesses, don't we? <laughs> we, all, we all, hey, I was at the door today. We're like the walking wounded coming in, right? Some of us have physical things that are showing up. Some of us have spiritual things. Some of us have emotional things, mental things. We have all these wounds and, and scars and weaknesses. And we want to get rid of them. And yet that's the very thing that God has touched us with. Whether it's for a short time or for a long time. Paul never got rid of his thorn. Whatever, whatever, that's the very thing God has touched us with to make us dependent on him and let his power come through and let his grace, let us really experience his grace. I know in my life, there is no one weaker in this church than I am. No one more vulnerable than me. I know it. And yet, I know that everything I have is by God's grace. Everything I am is by God's grace. And I know my weaknesses and vulnerabilities are what keep me close to God. Because I have to keep turning to him constantly. God, mercy and grace, mercy and grace. All day long. I'm like a broken record. But that's what, that's what helps me stay close to God. That's what communion is all about, staying close to God. What area are you weak? What is your weakness? Maybe you've been denying it. Maybe you've been fighting it. Maybe you've been trying to cover it up. Maybe you've been trying to self-medicate it away. Maybe you've been doing whatever. whatever. But... The Apostle Paul says, be excited about it. Be excited about the weakness, weaknesses in our life. And not only that, brag about it. Paul's bragging about it. Brag about them. Because God is just waiting to show his power if we will turn to him in our weakness and depend on his power and accept his grace. That's how we stay close to him and how he, how he works in and through us. Memorize 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. I read you that passage. Memorize 9 and 10. 
But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I'll boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in persecutions, in difficulties. Did I miss one? <laughs> persecutions. I, I knew I left one out. Persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak. That's one I don't like. Right? And difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Memorize this verse. Write it down. Pull it up on your phone. Do whatever you have to do. Memorize this. It's powerful. Powerful. This is the key to fighting life's battles. Is realize, I can't do it. It's all God's power, which we've been looking at this morning. It's all God's power. Whatever trial you are facing, whatever temptation you have been battling, my grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. Every attack that we face, turn to Joshua, our our Joshua, Jesus. Ask for his grace and fight with his super power, his supernatural power. That's That's what it takes, that supernatural power turning to him. It's like Popeye. Remember Popeye? Sorry, I know he's outdated now, but I grew up with Popeye. That's Wimpy's, Wimpy Popeye the Sailor Man. Brutus would be beating up on him. Right? And what did he do? Spinach! Desperate for spinach! Somehow got that spinach! Oh, he couldn't wait for him to get his spinach! And all of a sudden, boom, you know, and pow, 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 and you all say, know what happened next. That's what it is. Spiritual spinach. We're like... Deep, Desperate for God's grace. Because we're weak. We can't, we can't fight the battle. Do you have that power? Do you have that power? Have you ever put your faith in Jesus Christ? Have you ever accepted God's grace, his gift? The sacrifice of his one and only son, Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Have you ever accepted him have you ever put your faith in God's grace Ephesians 2 8 9 says this for it is by grace you are have been saved through faith and this not from yourselves it is a gift of God not by works so that no one can boast we live by grace but the starting point is to be saved by grace grace means unmerited favor it's a gift there's nothing you can do Nothing except fall out your hand. Have you ever put your faith in God's grace? It's all a gift from salvation to sanctification to glorification. It's all grace. It's a gift. And that's what communion is all about. It's remembering God's grace and how desperately we need to stay connected. That's what it is. It's remembering that. We have all messed up. Every one of us has messed up. But Jesus paid the price on the cross. Jesus died on the cross in our place. And he has given us all the chance to live a brand new life. No matter what we've done. He's given every one of us a chance to live a new life by grace. By grace, 
and through communing with him daily. That's what communion is. Communion just means connecting. Communing with him daily. Communion, what it is, we, we have the bread and the cup. It's a reminder of the, the body of Jesus Christ is the bread. And the cup is a reminder of the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what it's a reminder of. How we take it, we just, there's no magical way to take it or right way. We just open it up. Through, we have some worship time and some prayer time. And, and when you're ready, you can come up and take the cup and the bread. And you can take it back to your seat. You can take it with someone. You can take it by yourself. There's, it's between you and God, however you want to take it. But it's remembering, as we take it, remembering the body of Christ and the blood of Christ, what he has done for us. There's a, reason, a couple reasons why we shouldn't. One reason we shouldn't take it is we haven't put our faith in Jesus yet. If that's the case, then wait. Wait till you're ready to do that. There's nobody taking attendance or videotaping. It's between you and God. Just wait and pray. The second reason you shouldn't take it is if there's a something in our life that we are, will not surrender. Now, notice I didn't say there's sin in our life because I wouldn't have to put, any, put anything up here. No, it's something we're not willing to surrender and confess and say, God, help me fight this by your grace. If that's the case, wait. Don't take communion in an unworthy way. But, but I hope everybody here does. I hope everybody here surrenders whatever needs to be surrendered and, and give your life to Jesus Christ because God is, is waiting. Anyone here can take communion at any time. We can commune with God any time through his son, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. As we prepare ourselves for this time of communion, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Maybe you're here today and you've never acted on God's grace. You've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. You've never come to the cross for forgiveness, but today the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and this can be that day for you. The day that your life is changed forever, that you receive God's power in your life to live a brand new life of grace and faith in Jesus. Right where you're sitting, you can pray. Right where you are, you can pray the prayer of faith. God, please forgive my sin. I repent of my sin. Please forgive me anything in my life that goes against your will for my life. Please forgive me because I'm putting my faith in Jesus. I believe he died for me. I believe he came back from the dead for me. I put my faith in Jesus and receive the gift of life that you've promised. I give my life to Jesus.
If you have prayed that prayer of faith, you have just received God's power in your life, a supernatural superpower. The Holy Spirit is living inside of you and your life will never be the same. You have power to fight battles and you have the power to, to face anything that life throws at you. But the best part is you, we can now commune. We can connect with God the Father at any time because we are now his children. And I want to encourage you, if you've prayed that prayer of faith, that you tell somebody today. On your way out, tell me. Tell a family member, a friend. Tell, tell somebody. Send me an email, text, something. Tell somebody today. Because we're going to be excited for you and encourage you in your new life as a baby Christian. For those of us who have already put our faith in Christ, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Are we realizing God's power in our life? Is there an area of our life that we need God's grace? Is there an area of weakness in our life that we have been denying and fighting? Instead of thanking God for and turning to him and depending on him and getting close to him through that weakness. Father, we pray as we go to this communion time that your spirit would move in a powerful way, that this would just be the start of us being in communion and being close to you. This would just be priming the pump that it would be the start of, of, of a week of close communion with you and, and a lifetime of intimacy, experiencing your love and living in the power of your love. We pray this in Jesus' name.